This episode of the Local Hustlers podcast is brought to you by Audible. If you're listening to this podcast right now, then I'm going to assume that you would also enjoy listening to audiobooks. Whether you're interested in business, history, comedy, science fiction, or romance, Audible has thousands of titles for you to choose from. We want you to try out Audible for free, so if you head to our link, you'll get a 30-day free trial and a free book. So go to audibletrial.com slash local hustlers podcast to redeem your trial today. Again, that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E, trial.com slash local hustlers podcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, East Valley Locals. Get connected with small businesses near you and dive deep into their stories, mindset, and motives. Entrepreneurs everywhere. Get ready to be inspired by business owners, entrepreneurs, and hustlers that you can relate to and learn from. And now, your hosts, Dallin Huso and Ridge Waldberg. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers Podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Brian Mazenbacher uh, with Earth Grower. How's it going, Brian? Oh, it's going great. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you. Um, take a couple of minutes before we jump into the business and give us a little bit of background on your life. Yes, I was born and raised in uh, Springfield, Illinois. Um, Moved out to California. I went to middle school there, and then I've been. I went to high school in Phoenix. Okay. Um, lived in Phoenix through high school, and then for a couple of years after that. And while I was down here, I worked for catering companies. I was worked at restaurants, juice bars, different things. I even worked at a factory for a while. But the whole time that I was doing that, I was uh, gardening. I had a, a big garden at my mom's house, and it kind of progressed from there of like I was not just gardening then I was starting to help people make gardens oh and then um planting fruit trees and a good buddy of mine were doing that together and then um I was working as a manager at a juice bar and I had about like three days on four days off right so I would go up near Sedona and my buddy up there was running a farm so I was do farming about you know, four days a week and then mm-hmm. three days at the, at the juice bar. And I gradually transitioned to full-time farming, moved out of Phoenix, moved up near Sedona and Cornville and was, and was doing farming there. And from then I, um, I, we were having to work day jobs to like keep the farm going. Yeah. So I was doing landscaping, I was doing this and that. And then I got a full-time job working at an apple orchard. So I was working at an apple orchard full-time, and then I'd get off work, you know, turn the lights on the tractor, you know, farm all night, farm early in the morning, was doing farmer's markets for the apple orchard, doing other markets for myself. Um, And it's just kind of progressed from there. My business partner at the time, we went over to Africa, and we're doing um, greenhouse consulting, setting up irrigation systems for children's homes, stuff like that. Um, did a bit of schooling for agriculture. I got too busy doing agriculture to actually finish my schooling. Um, and since I've done several projects, I've, uh, did a farm to table farm that was straight to the Indian gardens restaurant in Sedona. So we were growing things and filtering them directly into the restaurant. Um, I've worked on, because of my experience at that apple orchard, I've worked on almost every other heritage orchard in northern Arizona at one point or another, Uh, whether it was pruning or picking or uh, pest management consulting, stuff like that. Um, And then 
I uh, helped to start a farm called Eco Farm. That was well. It's I didn't start it. I helped to get the the farming endeavors going for an organization called Earth Citizens Organization, and they have a big property that's in Cottonwood, Arizona, and I helped to get a lot of the key infrastructure in for it to become a functional farm, getting washing stations in, um, getting the fields productive, getting all of the basic things in place so that they can function as a, as a true farm. And then handed that over to a different manager and, um, was doing cannabis for a while down here in the Valley. And I've since shifted back to agri outdoor agriculture um and i'm doing a project called bent river farms in clarkdale now and uh my company earth grower i mean i guess it's kind of progressed to like i i build farms that's really what i do mm -hmm. and um i'm building this new farm we're just starting it it's it's called bent river farms and we're it's an old heritage property that's the owners have owned it for 50 years it's been out of production for roughly uh you know, 15, 20 years, they haven't really done anything with it. So I'm revamping the entire property. There's a 200 tree orchard. There's uh, we're building greenhouses. We're building indoor propagation rooms, washing stations. And, and that's really what I do. I'd start to finish build farms and I'll be there for roughly three years. And then we'll, and I set up the accounts, I set up everything and then we'll go move on to another project, start another farm. And, I feel that because of like my area of expertise, it's in the best interest of the world, I guess, to start more farms than to just be on one because I could help so many more people do it. And then we've, we need more farms. That, that's the reality of where we're at in the world, that we need more small farms, people doing it the right way, being able to carve out a lifestyle within it and... Um, not have burnout and still have a life, you know, and that, and that's a big part of what I, what I do with farms is I use lean practices so that we can have a life within it, you know, not just grind, 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 burnout. And, um, so that, that's kind of where I'm at now. And that's what we're up to. Cool. That's, cool. That's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So, uh, you started off gardening as a kid and that's where you got the passion did you always know that you wanted to be working with the land is it well in illinois i um my grandpa had a big garden mm -hmm. and he we had fruit trees on the property and my favorite thing as a kid i loved to climb trees and and i loved to climb them because i knew that i could get some fruit up there <laughs> you know you're a little kid you want something sweet uh -huh. you know we had peaches and cherries and stuff growing on our property and um from the youngest age, I just, I loved doing that. Right. And I went to a Montessori school and we planted, we had a garden at the school. We planted seeds in like kindergarten, you know? And, and so it's, it's been something that I've always enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, but there, there was a stint, you know, in high school and I was like, I, I love food as well. You know, so I thought I wanted to be a chef and, and I, I went down that path and worked at catering companies and different things and, and got quite good at it. But, and it's actually served me very well as a farmer because I work directly with chefs selling a lot of my products. So I know what they're looking for. Um, I can cater them a little bit better with my presentation and yeah. 
and can convince them a little more because I understand what it's like to order from distributors and, and things like that. <laughs> um, but I've out of high school, I told my mom that I was going to go travel the world and that I was going to go visit farms and I was going to be a farmer. Right. And, um, she's like, well, why don't you go to college first? Right. So I, I did that. And I, initially I was going to college and I was just going like taking art classes and doing all this like fun stuff just cause I didn't really want to be there. I wanted to go, like, go do what I knew I wanted to do. Yeah. And, um, eventually I just did it. You know, I, I, I moved to Sedona I, and it's interesting. Like a lot of the connections just kind of fell into my lap because I, I wanted it so badly. Um, but once I started doing it, then it even grew more, you know, like when you're into something, it seems like there's a lot of other people that are like doing it because that's the lens that you're looking through the world Mm -hmm. through. And, um, that definitely happened to me and I started meeting more and more people and, um, then became quite good at what I was doing and started to build a reputation. And I mean, the work that I'm doing right now was word of mouth. Is how I've received this, what I'm doing right now, yeah. but um, just from the reputation. But I, I guess, like, and I've heard this from a lot of other farmers, it's just kind of this innate thing that you kind of know. That, and the reason that I that really I have stayed with it because I was a hobbies guy, you know, I did BMX, I did this, I did that, you know, I was painting, I was, I was doing everything at one point, you know, and. And I kept changing because I was just, I was interested in so many things. Yeah. And with farming, there is so much to it that you can never be bored with it. Right. And that, and that's kind of what's kept me in it is it's very dynamic. There's a lot to learn about. There's a lot to read about, but truly what has like driven me in it is a sense of purpose. You know, like it's important, <laughs> you know, people need to eat. Yeah. And then on top of that, doing it the right way is good for our planet. So, yes, I, I can make money doing it, and I enjoy it, but there's this bigger sense of, like, purpose yeah. and uh, mission behind it that really drives me on top of it being very dynamic and interesting to me. That's awesome. Let's <laughs> uh, dig into that a little bit. So, a common narrative that you hear in, in national news is the migration of people out of rural areas and the death of the family farm and, right. and big, large conglomerates taking over the family farms and they don't always use uh, the best farming practices. They use the practice to get the greatest yield, sure. but not necessarily what's best for us to consume or for the earth. So um, are you seeing an uprise in, in the family farm where people are like, hey, I want to take ownership and control over the food I eat and or, the, or providing or people with similar like-minded mission that you have or people are wanting to create these smaller farms that are done right talk to us kind of a little bit about uh, what you're well, seeing i i am seeing that and there and there's a trend that's happening with it you know like uh there's this guy scott granola his tag on instagram is farming is the new skateboarding right <laughs> and, and it's 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 kind of true because the the same kind of people that are into that tend to be good at farming because it, it requires this flexibility and this fluidness that also applies to like people who surf or people who skateboard, uh-huh. you know, and it's, it's a, a lifestyle yeah. more than it's like a job. And, um, but that being said, statistically, 
most of the farmers that are around right now that are actually really good at it are um, at retirement age. They're yeah. at like 55, 60 years old, you know, plus. And, and a lot of their kids don't want anything to do with it. A lot of their kids don't want to do with it. And because of that, there's tremendous opportunity for guys like me. And there are other guys doing it. But coming back to like when you're when you're in that world, it seems like there's a lot of people doing it because it's the lens you're looking through. Yeah. But there's a huge void and like there's not enough people doing it and, and there should be. And, and that's really drives my mission of like creating more farms, setting people up, giving them the tools like you, know, you can do this, you know, and I'll help you. And because there is a huge lack of it. And, and I know that, but that, there's also like a big sense of community. Like I, I meet all kinds of people all the time because yeah. I'm doing it, you know, and um, Instagram is really great. I've met people from all over the world who are doing similar things to what I do. And, and we, that sense of community drives us and inspires each other to, to collaborate and to, to do that type of stuff. But um, there is a lack you know, but there's also a trend. And I think like with the pandemic, like people have started to ask themselves, like, what's really important, Mm -hmm. you know, like what's more important to me. And, and people are wanting to eat better. They're realizing like, man, my health, (laughs) you know, like I need to, I need to think about that probably, you know, or like, where's my food coming from? What is this doing to the planet? And people are like, They've, people have always asked themselves these questions, but more now than ever, people are asking these questions and wanting to support a farmer or like have some time to start a garden, you know, or want their kids to understand where food comes from, yeah. you know. And and I think that there is uh, an upturn happening, but and I, I'm hopeful that there's enough that it will actually become a tipping point. Um, but I think that there is a lot of potential and, and tremendous opportunity for people who do want to farm and that there is um, many heritage industries and different ways of doing it. There's not one set way. Every farm is completely different. Yeah. And to there's no reason to, to not try mm-hmm. because there is a tremendous amount of opportunity as there's not enough people doing it. You mentioned earlier one of the challenges with farming is it is all-encompassing. Yes. It's 24-7. The farm never sleeps. The animals have to be fed every day. Yeah. You've got cows that are being milked. Like, it just never ends, right? right? And it can be all-consuming, and burnout is a real uh, risk factor for a farmer. You mentioned that you have some lean practices that you help implement to help a farmer have a life. I'm sure you also have some sustainability things that you help. To, sure. to do why don't you talk a little bit about uh, how you help that farmer both with the lean practices and with sustainability yeah so understanding how a farm functions is is key and, and that takes time and practice and when you're first getting into farming you may not really realize the sort of key things that are important to be able to function efficiently and, and have a life yeah. um, really the the front end and the back end and every is really important. So pre-harvest, how do you seed your stuff? Where do you store it? Do you have a greenhouse? What success rate are you having with this stuff? Because if you don't have good success rate pre-harvest, you're not going to have a good harvest. <laughs> you know. So once you've done that, then 
you know, there's a million ways that you can grow in between. And I help people to try to figure that out. You know, do you guys want to go certified organic? Do you want to make your own inputs? Do you want, what is your ethos here? You know, and, and I bring some of mine and, and present it to them, but really when you're spending someone else's money, you're helping them start a farm. It has to be what they want. Right. And I can tailor that depending on what the needs are, but also what's the existing infrastructure of the farm, right? What's already there. Because a big part of what I like to do and what I've done in the third world is work with what we have, make that work, but build systems around it mm. that are efficient, right? And then what's the what you have pre-harvest, you've got your growing, and then there's there's post-harvest. So you need to store it, you need to wash it, you need to process it, you need to sell it, you know. And figuring those things out, figuring out pre-harvest and post-harvest first is important because people get into it and they're they have all this ideology oh i want to grow all this and i want these things and i want to do it this way and that's okay and you want to hang on to some of that because it has to be fun and it has to be inspiring for you yeah and it has to feel good but if you focus on those things from the beginning and you haven't figured out like where does my greenhouse go how does this function how am i going to start good seedlings do I have a walk-in cooler? Do I have three base sinks to wash my stuff? And then on top of it, the regulations involved with that. Is my space clean enough <laughs> to really do this? Mm. And then knowing what scale you want to start at and where you would like to be. So like setting it up in a way like, okay, this is where we're at, but this is where I want to be. Right. So if you don't want to back yourself in a corner with infrastructure. You build something in the wrong place or you build something that's hard to move or this or that, then when it comes time to grow, it's more complicated, right? So that's really what I help people see is what is the workflow? I'm planting out there. Why is my greenhouse on the other side of the farm? <laughs> you know, like things like that. And sometimes you get into places where um, there's already infrastructure there. So the workflow is not necessarily the way that's perfect, but you can work, there's workarounds or you completely change it if they've got the money to do that. But that's not always the case. <laughs> and um, so really it's asking people those questions and then, then it's like, okay, what do you want to grow? What do you want to specialize in? You know, and then there's so many different business models in terms of like, raising a farm do you go to farmers markets do you sell to restaurants yeah. are you doing csa do you want to do direct delivery you know all of those types of things do you want to run a cash business <laughs> you know those are questions to ask people and and a lot of the time people do want to do that in the in a farming industry um do you have the ability to accept credit card you know all these different things um so knowing that then we can tailor how we grow the stuff What's your goal? How are you trying to sell this stuff? And, um, and then being able to meet those goals with the infrastructure. So if you want to sell tomatoes and that's your big thing and that's what you're trying to do, you need enough space to do it. You need proper greenhouses. You need proper storage for it. You need good root stock. There's all of these, these different you know, key factors that you have to hit on 
to be able to provide to a restaurant. You know, you can't just grow a few plants and think that it's going to, it's going to work, you know? Mm -hmm. And then knowing that you always need to have about 30% more than you actually planned on, you know, you need more failure happens and explaining to people when they're getting into farming, that there is inherent risk in it. You're gambling every time. And it's a calculated gamble, you know, and the more you understand what you're doing, you can, you can get around it and, but failure will happen. So that's something you almost, you got to plan on it. You got to plan that some failure will happen and, and build that resilience into yourself to be able to handle that and, and not freak when something goes wrong and also not being attached you know, if you can, if you're attached to every one of those plants, you're in a bad position as a farmer because they're going to die eventually. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got to know when to let go and know when like, oh, that I could get a little more out of it. But is it worth it? You know, like, is it worth it to keep that K, that row of kale, even though you could get one cut out? Can you sell it? It's eating up valuable space and it's eating up your time. And really like lean practices this guy ben hartman has taken the lean principles that toyota founded and applied them to farming right and i'm i've read his books i'm anything that the guy does I, i'm very familiar with it and he has taken these principles of of lean manufacturing and applied them to farming and i take those and couple it with holistic management regenerative practices and try to come up with something that's not only efficient but is leaving our planet a little better than we found it and in farming generally you're running multiple enterprises it's not just one thing and if you look at it like that it's really in your best interest like on the farm that we're doing we have an orchard we have chickens we have greenhouses we grow microgreens each one of those is its own thing and when you look at them separately, then you could be like, oh, well, the chickens are doing this. This one's profitable. This one's not. This is not working. And you can know what to cut out, what to keep, what to expand. And then I, being able to identify waste. That's really what lean practices are, is looking at what is straight physical waste, yeah. what's wasted energy, and then clearing clutter. Because when you have clutter, you can't think. That's wasted mental space. You know, that's a form of waste. So being, and when you go on to old farms that you're revamping, there's a ton of that. There's junk everywhere, yep. you know, and from 40 years ago. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But then being able to sift through it, see what's worth keeping because that will save us money. There tends to be a lot of old hardware and things to innovate with and things to build with that you don't necessarily need to buy because they're already there, mm -hmm. but you have to sift through it so you know what there is and what there isn't. And being able to do that and then set up the workflow around the existing infrastructure. So being able to see like, okay, that's way over there. <laughs> Why is that way over there? I'm, it's taken me way too long to get across the farm. Yeah. Or knowing where your tools are and having set spaces for that stuff. So that you're not constantly looking for things. That's a big problem on the farm. Like, and then like if you have a like a John Deere Gator or whatever it is you drive around the farm, you should probably have something. Is walking takes way too much time when you're on a big farm, 
and having a stationary set of tools that's always with you so you're not going back and forth to the tool room or to go get things and that eats up tons and tons of time and doing that with every single thing on the farm uh, knowing how many steps it takes to plant a tray of kale knowing how long that timeline is of it needs to be here this long it's going in the greenhouse this long i'm harvesting on this date at least have an idea of when you're trying to harvest and then you can work more efficiently so there's really so much to it of like first let's get the business going <laughs> let's yeah. let's make this thing functional so that we can sustain it for the long term and then overlaying it with all of these other things that are good for the planet align up with the owners of the property's ideology what their mission is what their ethos is and this takes a while year one which is where i'm at right now with my current project is building we're building greenhouses we're building washing stations we're installing walk-in coolers we're setting up workflow and and then we're also fulfilling some orders already i mean we're selling eggs we're building relationships and community is a big part of it a farm has to have a community support it yeah. without it you're nothing you know and so being out in the community actively networking with people and telling them what we have inviting chefs to come see what we're doing and that's that's year one year two once we have everything because year one not everything goes to plan contractors don't show up you can't get things done fast enough yeah. You're not on perfect timing with your planting. But if you can get that stuff complete year one, year two, you can hit the ground running. Perfect timing with everything. Just making it happen. And by the time year three comes, then you're you're functioning. You've you've overlaid it with everything. And that's the point where I can step back, get someone to be me, train them, move on to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's a no. long process. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of things that uh, a farm is most successful when you have multiple enterprises going on. That was one of the questions I have. Are you, uh, do you find it more successful if you just choose to grow apples or if you just choose to grow tomatoes? But I, right. I thought I heard you say multiple enterprises on the same farm is uh, the most profitable way to go. For well, farm. it's all about diversification mm -hmm. on, on every level. So the more diversification of plants you have, the more diverse microbes you have in the soil because each plant produces different enzymes that feed different microbes, right? So the more diversity that's happening there, the better your crops are going to grow. The more diversity of enterprises you have, the more resilient you are. Because if one's not doing good, another one might be and it balances out, right? But it also becomes more complicated. There's more planning. There's more things to deal with. So making sure that each one is organized and that they benefit one another. So the chickens do a lot of things for me. They provide me with eggs. They're also my garbage disposal. They're part of my <laughs> pest management program and they're part of my fertility program. I'm stacking functions and that's what permaculture is. Permaculture is making sure you create a loop with each thing. So if you're adding a piece of a, an enterprise that you really want to do, but it doesn't fit in with everything else you're doing, you should really step back and ask yourself whether that's worth doing. Yeah. Because it's going to make things less efficient and it's going to make the farm make less sense. So being diversified 
creates resilience in the soil. It creates more resilient plants mm-hmm. because they're going to grow better because of that diversity. And then having more diversity of enterprises makes you more resilient as an overall business. Yeah. And then within it, like what kind of lifestyle am I trying to live? You know, so if you if you value your time or you want winters off or things like that, you have to think about that when you're starting your businesses because if there's things that need to be maintained in the winter, you're not getting winter off. You know, you don't have days off. And I take one day off and it's not really even a day off because I still have to feed the chickens and water the plants. But I, I take one day to chill, <laughs> you know, and, but the rest of the week I'm, I'm working 10, 12 hours a day, but not because anyone told me to, I'm doing it because I want to, you know, and that's the difference, you know, like you can set it up however you want. Like guys over at Never Sink Farm, they only work eight hours a day. And Jean-Martin Fortier from the Market Gardener, he has perfected being able to run a productive farm in 40 hours a week and guys do it and at the beginning when you're first starting something if you want to make it happen in any kind of timely manner sometimes you've got to work a little more than you'd necessarily would like to so that you can have the lifestyle you want down the road yeah and i don't find it as work so i'm able to work a lot because i just enjoy every aspect of it but that is really a question you want to ask yourself when you're starting a farm is what does when do i end the day you know and then you can design your program and what you grow and what enterprises you have around your lifestyle because farming is any way you cut it it's your life it's your lifestyle it's not your job yeah you can make money do it. You can, you can make a lot of money doing it if you do it right. But um, having a diversity of stuff, and part of it is the personality traits of the farmer as well. So people get bored. They want a variety of things to work with because they're all a little different and it's a little interesting. And sometimes you have to ask yourself like can i stay on that can i do all of these things and all of them actually be of quality and most of the time the answer is no (laughs) you know unless you have help Mm -hmm. the only answer is to add help and how much help do you want you know how many employees are you trying to manage because the moment you add employees then all of a sudden like you're not out there doing it but then you you have a whole other job now you're not actually farming now you're managing people (laughs) you know and you have to know what you want and farming can be very flexible in that way and planning is everything you need to really plan out like what am i going to plant how many plants is it who am i going to sell it to and things never go completely to plan (laughs) they don't but like at least having one is is really important for sure that's great now there's basically i'm hearing that there's two tracks here you have the art and science of farming of growing plants right right? and then you have the agribusiness right right? sounds like uh from a young age that the farming was just just came naturally right talk to us about how you gain the skills of agribusiness uh, and and what difference that makes as you help your clients. Right. 
I, I've always been entrepreneurial since I was a, I was the kid that had the lemonade stand. I was the kid who was you know mowing lawns for their neighbors and raking leaves and running a car wash in my driveway. Mm-hmm. That was me, mm-hmm. and I was encouraged to do that from a young age. My dad ran his own business. My grandpa ran his own business. My mom is a nurse and works really hard and has always encouraged me to work very hard as well. Um, but really understanding how an agribusiness worked took a lot of practice. And, and then asking questions to older people who are already doing it. Yeah. And then working under some successful operations that weren't necessarily my own. You know, that helped me a lot as well. And one thing that really helped me to sell to restaurants is working at restaurants, you know, and understanding how they work, what the quantities of stuff look like that they're taking in, and um, actually being the guy making some of those orders really helped me to be able to be the one to deliver those orders. And that has helped me immensely. Working at Farmer's Market and asking questions, you know, and really being active in the community and and paying attention to like this is what they like you know and setting the booth up different ways oh if i pilot like this i sell more <laughs> you know and and really paying attention to all these little details and that adds up into you being successful yeah. but i find that anyone who's selling anything if if it's not a good product you're not going to have fun selling it. You have to there's a certain energy you have to cultivate to be able to sell anything. And if it's a good product and you're proud of it, it's it's gone. It's all you, it's it's instantly gone because you believe that it's gone. And really like having that Im- immense amount of trust is really what it takes to to be successful at farming because you're taking a risk. And it's a big risk and all kinds of things can go wrong, but you do it anyway (laughs) because you can see where it's going. You already know. And if, if you don't have that, if like, you know, someone with, that's got a lot of anxiety about like, I don't know if my product's good enough. Like you're not gonna be a good farmer. It's not gonna work. You know, you gotta, your product is the best one, even though there's product, other product out there. And there it's all good and you know, but if you're farming you have to believe that your produce is the best and know it and then it sells very easily. <laughs> you know, but if you don't have that or you have even an ounce of anxiety about anything that you're doing, you are not gonna be good at selling produce. <laughs> and, no, Let's talk about that a little bit, okay? Because um I, I imagine most of our listeners aren't gonna quit what they're doing and say, hey, I'm going to start up a farm. I'm going to call Brian. He's going to build me a farm. Right. But as humans, we all eat. And so we all have a vested interest in farming sure. uh, in a secondary way at the minimum, right? And so um, does organic foods have enough street cred where it sells itself? Because, you know, you get a, a shiny red apple that uh, is not organic Right. It looks different to the eye than the organic apple that right. you know doesn't go through some of the things that the other apple is. Does, does so? My question is: Does the organic have enough street cred where it sells itself? And and then anything else that you want to share about the organic process? So, 
Yes and no. Um, so when you're at the farmer's market, people always ask if it's organic, right? And, and we are organic. We're not certified, right? But I feel that a lot of things we're doing are actually beyond what the organic paradigm like allows. Mm-hmm. And a, a common misconception among really most consumers is that organic food doesn't have pesticides on it. That's not true. They have organic pesticides on them. <laughs> and all that organic means, and, and they stick to this, is that it is derived from carbon and it can go back to carbon. Soil biology can break it down back into carbon, yeah. right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for our body or a lot of other things, right? That's necessarily good for the soil even. Mm-hmm. And so for something to be organic, it has to go other what's called OMRI listing, which is a third party that makes sure that it's derived from carbon. It can go back to carbon, yeah. you know, and, and that's really what they're doing. And they put this label on the pesticides and all the different things that you're allowed to use in organic farming. And I use some of that stuff, you know, but I, I try to keep it minimal and I actually make a lot of my own stuff because I trust it more. Right. And really like as a farmer, whether you're organic or not, you're telling a story and you have to present the product in a certain way. And you have to tell them a story about how you grew it, what you're up to and what your mission is. So, and, and you don't really want to push it either. You know, like a big part of natural farming is non-force, right? You don't force anything. You go with it. And if your product's good and you believe that you shouldn't have to push it that much, (laughs) you know? So when I'm at the farmer's market and say I'm selling apples, right? Someone walks up to the booth. I'm not like apples, apples. I got the apple. I'm not that guy. I ask them how they're doing, where they're from, you know, and when they're walking up, you give them a smile and you throw an apple up in the air, catch it in your hand, you know, and, and then you offer them a sample and really taste is everything. If you can offer them a sample and it tastes really good and it's pretty, they're going to buy it guaranteed. And then on top of that, when you're selling to them, you're telling them your story. This is how we grew it. This is where we are. This is the variety. You know, we put a lot of care into this, you know, and that's really what people want to know. When you're raising chickens, people will ask, you know, how you feed them. That's one of the first questions you get. And I feel that the care of the chickens is actually a lot more important than that because there's a lot of people that will feed their chickens organic and they don't care for them very well. It's pretty gross if you've ever been in a chicken coop. And the way that we do it, you know, when they ask if we feed organic, yeah, I feed organic, but I do all these other things. <laughs> you know, this is really what's important, how I'm raising them, the energy that I'm putting into this. And really what you're trying to get them to do is to support you as a person and your, and your, and your mission. And then if you've got a really good product, it's even better. And if, you, if you could be the best person in the world, if your product sucks i mean no one wants it (laughs) you know but but if you're have a good story and you invite people to come see the farm having pictures of the farm is always good you know and having a really beautiful display is key so like 
the old adage is pilot high, watch it fly, right? So if you've got, you're at the farmer's market and you're just starting out and you've got a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit, you know, no one's paying attention to you. You've, you don't have enough that's impressive, mm-hmm. right? But say you just have a couple things, but you've got a huge amount of it and you pile it up, you're standing behind it. You know, you, they can barely see you. They've got, <laughs> you've got so much produce, Yeah. but it's just of a couple things then you're, you're going to sell a lot of it. Oh, he's the cucumber guy. He's got watermelons. He's doing it, you know, but if you've just got a few little piddly things, you know, no one's going to take you that seriously. And because it's showing them that you can't be consistent. Uh, psychologically, that's what they're seeing. Like, oh, he doesn't have much of it. Like, I how am I going to be able to get this from him every week? Or is it just for now? Right. You know, <laughs> and that's really what people want. They want consistency. They want to support a farmer. They want you to be their farmer, you know, and they want to ask you questions about their own garden. They want to know that they can save seeds from the stuff that you gave them. They want something that tastes good. They want someone that asks them how they're doing or what they cooked with what they bought the week before and building those relationships, you know, the best, your best marketing is a happy customer. You know, and if you can make just some of them happy and be consistent with having a good product, they're going to tell other people, more people are going to come. And when you have the confidence to believe in your product and you're not going out, oh, maybe I'll sell a couple things to the farmers. No, I'm I'm going to sell it all. <laughs> you know, at least I think I'm going to, <laughs> you know, like that's your, that's my goal, <laughs> you know, and being able to cultivate that within yourself is not only farming with any business if you can do that like you're gonna sell stuff yeah <laughs> do you spend more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it and call flamingo pools today flamingo pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the east valley whether it's weekly maintenance repairs green to cleans or one-time cleanings flamingo pools will take care of you honest reliable and innovative Just a few of the many good things Flamingo Pools customers have to say about them. Ask them about their mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and you'll get your first month of maintenance completely free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. So what is your vision and plan for onboarding employees so you can expand your reach and influence? I'm not sure at this point. You know, I'm still asking myself what kind of lifestyle I want to live. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't I, want to manage people. You want to manage farms. <laughs> I, I rather manage farms, you know, and uh, I like the idea. I mean, that's what I'm working towards anyway, of building a farm, moving on, starting another one. And that gives me an opportunity to be some different places, you know, see different scenery, get more experience on every farm. I learn new stuff. And are you yeah. only working on one farm at a time when you do that? Yes, generally I am. So I'm working on the farm that I'm at right now, and I'm living there. And wow. I'm setting up everything. I'm there all day, every day, trying to get this thing up and going. And it has majority of my focus. But I do take on other things. You know, I teach some classes here and there. I um, 
if I get flashed enough money, I might be able to find some time off the farm. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, but generally I, I'm, when I get a big project like this, I'm, I'm quite focused on that. And, um, will I can always cut away and do like our consultations and things like that is easy, but anything more substantial, you know, it's requires more commitment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, um, right now I, t- I tend to do one big project at a time and then we'll have some other smaller consulting things on the side, but, uh, mainly just big projects. No, yeah, with with any business, I like the point of making sure that you're intentional with you want to manage farms versus people, like, right. and just knowing with any business, like, do you want to focus more on the business side of that, and and then if that's the case, then scaling is probably the better option. But if you are more interested in in farming or you know being a, a chef or whatever you decide to do, um, then scaling isn't always the best thing for you. So I think it's super right. important to be intentional about what your end goal is, what you want, and then you know make business decisions based off of that. Right. And I, I'm always asking myself, like, really more than ever, you know, like, what's important to me? Yeah. You know, like, the reason I left cannabis, I was making all kinds of money, you know, but I left because I didn't have any time. I didn't have any time to spend with my family. I didn't have time to take care of myself. You know, the money wasn't worth it. You know, I thought it was. I'm like, well, I grow plants, you know, like, you make the most money growing this plant. I probably <laughs> should go do that, you know, but, <laughs> and, and then I did. And it was, I enjoyed aspects of it, you know, but also, you know, there's a lot more pressure, lots more regulation. And I didn't have time, right? So after I've left, you know, it was a humbling experience for me to, you know, take less money mm-hmm. to, but to have more time and to have a lifestyle that felt better to me, you know, yeah. and, and to have the ability to make my own schedule and not be on under so much pressure, you know, and to be able to um, have some time to travel and to go to workshops and to and to read books and to and to become better all the time, you know, and that's really very important to me that I that I can spend time with my family, I can spend time with my girlfriend, I can. I can sit down and read a book, you know, or, you know, or be on my own time. I work 12 hours a day because I want to, not because someone told me to. And that's where I, that's the space I'd rather be in than with under so much pressure to do things for other people that are in exchange for money. You know, I, I enjoy my freedom. Yeah. So I, my, vision of what I would like to do is ever evolving based off like what's important to me you know so I I won't do anything that's not in alignment with that moving forward you know I've made the mistake a couple times of taking the money over uh, over the lifestyle and the lifestyle is way more important to me that's awesome your clients, so like we've established the difference between you know the farming aspect of things and then the entire back end, the business side of, of the farm too. Are your clients usually people with farming um, experience that want to learn the logistics and the infrastructure of the business, or is, is, do you find a lot of people that um, maybe have more of that business experience and they um, see the benefits of of a local farm and want to learn more about that side, or is there a mix of both? And it's it's a bit of both. Yeah. Um, so b- before I was doing cannabis, I was in the nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. So we were building a farm that was more mission driven than it was profit driven. 
but it still required some of the same things and you still have to make some money as a nonprofit. You can't function. Um, and the people that I'm working for now have some farming experience. They grew up on this land and their parents farmed a little bit, but they're really in the manufacturing world. They have a big manufacturing company and are at retirement age and would like to do something with the assets that they have. They have 75 acres that already has fruit trees on it. No one's out there doing anything with it. They'd like someone to bring like breathe life into this yeah. thing. And that, and that's really what I'm doing for them is I'm breathing life into something that once was and then improving upon it so that it can sustain for the long term. And then, I mean, my end goal is to find someone else that would like to stay there, you know, because I know I want to be on to the next thing. Yeah. Love it. You mentioned something earlier that stood out to me. You talked about how you have to take risks, you have to take gambles, but you can take calculated gambles. And I think that applies to really any business owner. We have to take these risks in business, um, but they don't have to be like full on lottery gambles. They can be calculated. And so what's kind of the the process you take um, when you are calculating and and kind of doing your due diligence to see if if this risk is something that you should go forward with? Sure. Um, So, I mean, the things you want to ask yourself is, okay, if I'm going to do this crop, do I have the infrastructure to support it? First off, where am I? Do I have enough space to store this much produce mm-hmm. from this many plants? So having understanding of how much you could potentially get out of a crop, and then you ask yourself, okay, what are the risks involved in this? There's always pest. So understanding the pest, you know, what's their life cycle? When does it start? what are the what plants don't they like what do they eat get in their head become that bug really Mm -hmm. you know and then you can better combat it and know the decisions you need to make to be able to make that calculated gamble Mm -hmm. right and then understanding as best you can the weather which is completely unpredictable i mean weather stations that are on your property are not completely accurate so like they're close, <laughs> you know, and, and you do your best, but really paying to- close attention to that and knowing like, yeah, I could get heavy rains. Yeah, I could get a late frost and planning for that and having something there to be able to at least mitigate it in some way. So if it does happen and then if it doesn't, you get a bumper crop, you win big, <laughs> you know, like sometimes it does happen. And man, you, it's not fun, but like, you do it anyway, you know, and if you're diversified enough, if one thing's down, another's up and being able to really like have a long view, you have to see the end. You have to see when I plant a tomato seed, that's, I'm not really even, I don't see that. I see a greenhouse full of tomatoes. I see boxes of produce leaving the farm. Mm-hmm. That's what I see. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and being able to have that long gaze to see into the future a little mm-hmm. bit of what could happen, and and keep your eye on that, and be able to adjust as needed and be really flexible because things go wrong and you have to be really really flexible and and not let it stress you out because it's so easy to yeah. get stressed on a farm. That, that's one of the challenging parts when doing these projects is helping people to hone their vision of what, what they would like to see because 
there's a lot of ideology involved with this stuff and the ideology does not always line up with like practical business mm-hmm. right so like you have to entertain some of it but then knock them off other things and, yeah, then, and yeah. then um and be realistic about what what's actually happening on the farm but um i tend to be more pragmatic in my approach of like all right this is realistic let's do this that that's why this year we're moving we're not doing the whole variety of stuff we're low mix high volume let's be consistent Mm -hmm. with a couple things you know i can stay up on this i'm going to need to add employees next year so we can do this this and the next thing yeah and um yeah gotcha and going back to uh to your purpose you talked a bit about that and how important that is to you and then we've talked about how farming, you know, it's not an easy thing. It takes hard work to be a farmer. There's a lot of burnout that could be involved in that. How important is is having a purpose that drives you and, and gets you through those hard days and those hard times when it comes to farming? It's everything, man. Without it, you can't sustain. Like, it's too hard of work. And, like, if you're not into it, like, you're not going to last. Yeah. Like, you have to really love it. Um, and... If you're not doing it right, it's easy to um, work a lot of hours and not make that much money Ooh, on a farm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, there's if you're disorganized, you you know you may be working for three four dollars an hour if you added up all the hours. Wow. Work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, um, and a lot of farmers like they really hate the finance end because they know how much time it's taken them uh-huh. and they don't want to add that stuff up. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but you should, you know, you should be able to carve out a lifestyle and be able to make some pretty good money doing it. And guys are doing it. It's not impossible. Yeah. You know, um, but being able to, um, do that and not burn out is, is just challenging. You know, For it's sure. some, you have to ask yourself the right questions, you know, like you have to constantly be checking in with yourself. Did I eat right today you know like am i taking care of myself you know and one of the number one things i recommend to any farmer or gardener is like you gotta keep a journal you gotta have a farm related journal and you should probably have a personal journal too Hmm. because being able to just check in with yourself and take a moment to do that because there's so many things going on that you could forget about yourself really easily um and asking those questions and being honest with yourself will allow you to carve out that lifestyle and to have a moment for yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and being organized is everything. Cause if you're disorganized, you don't have any time. You've got no time, you know, and let like no time to run the business. Definitely no time for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you're up all night, you know, you're doing spreadsheets, you know, it's like, and you have to create a cutoff at, at some point. You've got to cut yourself off because and I, I still do it sometimes. You know, you end up working all night and you get really into something and, and you just keep going. But then you wake up in the morning and you don't have any energy to do the next thing that you needed to yeah. do. You know, and it's it's a it's a constant challenge for sure. But it's uh, it takes being honest and realistic with yourself. That's really the ticket. Like and for me writing that stuff down helps immensely like 
just asking myself those questions and you know being honest about how I how I feel about certain things or I feel about the, my relationships or I feel about you know like things that are going wrong on the farmers things are always going wrong <laughs> you know and, but um and allowing that that energy to go somewhere rather than internalizing it and then reaching burnout um and trying to make time for other things and turn off a little bit because when you're a farmer i mean like i was saying it's a lifestyle and it really becomes like a piece of your identity you know it's like you you can find you can reach like a a identity crisis a little bit because it's like i'm 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 only a farmer but like i like to play guitar i like to do this other stuff like like and you get lost in it a little bit so you have to like try to carve out that time to be yourself and to be everything else you want to be be a family guy be you know with your friends you know do the other stuff and like if you're if you're disorganized and you don't have a plan and your infrastructure is not set up right you don't have that you don't have it at all it's great advice yeah (laughs) Um, Love the insights. Love the idea of a journal. I think it's a great idea for, and not just farmers, but any sort of business owner listening. It's a great thing to, to help with um, yeah. some of the issues that come with with working hard, burnout, and, and right. the, that, that aspect of business. Um, well, Brian, we've we've learned a ton from you today. Would love to continue to ask questions about you and the farm and, and the business, but I uh, want to let you get back to the rest of your day. We know how busy you are. I understand. Um, so as we're closing up here, we've got a little game that we're going to play with you. Sure. And uh, how it's going to work is we've got a list of 20 questions, and you have a minute to answer as many of them as possible. Um, we'll see how you square up against the other guests that we've had on the show. All right. All right, you can go ahead and start us off in three, two, one. Your dream vacation. Dream vacation, um, probably South America. First thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars? million dollars. I would probably buy coffee. <laughs> Favorite hobby? <laughs> Favorite hobby? Uh, guitar. Uh, if there was an Olympic competition for everyday activities, what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in? Uh, cooking. The song you've been jamming to lately? Um, Kendrick Lamar. If you lived to be 100, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? Mind. Your favorite holiday? Uh, favorite holiday is probably uh, Christmas. Uh, favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chocolate chip. Favorite fictional character? Fictional character, uh, Huckleberry Finn. Uh, favorite smell? Favorite smell, soil. What's your nickname? Uh, people call me Bri Bri sometimes. All my friends from high school call me that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there we go. That's 11. Nice job, nice job. All right. Okay, Brian. Um, as we're closing up here, why don't you let our listeners know uh, where they can find more about you and what you do? Yeah, so uh, I'm on Instagram, earth underscore grower. Um, find me on LinkedIn, Brian Meisenbacher. Um, I'm on Facebook, Brian Meisenbacher. No website as it stands right now, but uh, pretty active on Instagram. You can see what I'm doing on the farm. A lot of uh, good informational stuff on there. Uh, we'll always post if I'm doing a class, different things like that. I'm awesome. pretty active on answering uh, the DMs as I... Uh, until I get too many coming in, I won't be able to answer them. But um, I answer a lot of questions about gardening. Um, Happy to answer anyone, for sure. Cool. Um, And I know you have a little special uh, special offer for our listeners. Could you uh, tell them about that real quick? 
Yeah, I'll be able to offer a, you know, an ebook about the basics of natural farming. I just did a natural farming course, so I have uh, some content involved with that, and I'll be able to offer uh, a little ebook about some basics of the philosophy behind natural farming. Awesome, appreciate That's it. Great. Okay, well, thanks again for coming on, Brian. Uh, love learning about farming and, and the industry as a whole. It was super interesting to hear. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thanks again, and we will catch you all next week. Awesome. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing and helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.